I'm Mel Stewart, and this is the Swim Swam Podcast. Joining me today, who we have a very special guest. Uh, a lot of our readers have asked us to interview him. A lot, everybody wants to get inside of his head. I am, of course, talking about Solomon D'Amico. He is the mind. He's the co-head coach of uh, Seward Tsunami Swim Club, the mind behind Lydia Jacoby and that success. And, uh, you know, thanks for making some time to talk to us. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, I'm doing good. Thanks so much for uh, having me on. And uh, I, I look forward to this. I'll do my best. out to folks and just said, Hey, you know, this is who I'm having on. Uh, I said, you know, what, what, what would you want out of this conversation? Um, the, the overwhelming response was when does this guy sleep? Because based on every, everyone's crawling your LinkedIn page, they're, they're, they're checking out your resume. Um, as I understand it, you're co-head coach of Seward swim club. You're also the head coach of Seward, the high school swim team and the head track and field coach at Seward high school. Uh, you also run your own business, uh, Solomon D'Amico Fitness, and it sounds like you're a very busy person. So just in terms of time management, how are you doing that? Uh, well, so for starters, the, the business, that, that hasn't really been active since, I think, 2013. Um, there was a, uh, an opportunity that came up to help the uh, people, the employees of the city to kind of get a hold of their fitness, and um, that was kind of short-lived. Uh, administ the incoming administration didn't want to keep it going. So it sort of died a quiet death. Uh, I have not updated my LinkedIn or my resume like I should have. Um, I, yeah, I got to get on that. So, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, just here, here's uh, just so here's how I would answer that. Um, I was too expensive. Uh, my, my expertise was way too, was way too high. It was too deep. And, and, uh, the city of Seward couldn't handle it. So they were wimps and they pushed off, but, yeah. uh, but I, I do appreciate your honesty that the, what is most fascinating to, to everyone that I've talked to is that you, you do have this, um, you, you are a track and field coach and that's, uh, I, we, I'm coming to you from Austin, Texas, as we're doing this interview today. Um, I, you know, there's some track and field coaches down here that are, that are, that are, let's just say they, they have, they have a lot of knowledge and they, and they have kids who swim and they have very strong opinions about how we train kids, uh, swimming. I'm not, I don't want to throw any, I don't want to reveal too much, but I mean, I, I know some coaches, track and field coaches who have kids who are elite swimmers and, uh, they, they've taken a more hands-on approach to what their kids are doing. Um, how has track and field influenced your, your coaching in the water? Yeah. So in my estimation, and again, I got to just, uh, full, full, uh, disclosure here. I'm no expert, right? I'm just trying my best every day, I'm trying to learn every day. I'm a student. I'll, I'll never not be a student. Um, but in my estimation, there is uh, a ton of overlap between the two sports, They're both very, very technically, um, demanding, they're both obviously physiolo physiologically demanding. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, the, uh, the adaptations that you get from like a track workout are maybe a little more dynamic and um, um, 
put a little more stress on the body because you're load bearing. Um, so then you have to manage the workload a lot more. Um, you got to scale it down. You know, it's roughly like a four to one kind of conversion rate ratio on the, on the distances and stuff. So, um, with that, um, I just sort of think about it and scale it down or scale it up depending on the sport. Well, my goal is to get into really a, a, a dive deep on breaststroke and get into like a breaststroke clinic with you if we can. But, um, before I get into that, the, having this, 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 this experience with track and field, um, I'm, I'm, I'm just curious as to how this impacted, uh, your training with Lydia and your other, other swimmers during the pandemic, because I, th I think a lot of coaches felt lost and, uh, they felt the pressure, um, did that, what, was there an influence there? Uh, so there, there's been a few kind of clear lines of like demarcation where the training is like stepped up or been adjusted along the way. One of those was, um, February of 2020, kind of the, the ground zero of our pandemic hitting the States. They were actually in Seattle where it first hit, um, for speedo sectionals there. And, uh, it, it got canceled. Um, they came back. Um, I met with Lydia and her mom within a week, um, at Res Art. It's our our meeting spot. It's basically the only place in town, but, uh, um, <clears throat> you know, right away I was thinking like, you know, sure. We're going to, you're qualified for trials from November of 2018. Um, but going into 2020, it was like, all right, we're going to do our best, see what we can get done with fitness and technique and all that and see what, see what happens, you know, but then speedo sectionals gets canceled. I meet with them within a week and I'm, I was already thinking then, not that it's any big deal, that like, wow, we, I think it's going to get pushed, if not canceled. If it gets pushed, that really, really sets us up uh, for a nice run at things in 2021. So it just happened to work out like that. And um, yeah, I'm pretty happy about that. It's, uh, before we move on, if, unless you've been hiding under a rock, but, uh, you, you should know that Seward is Seward, Alaska. And this is some background on, on Solomon. He is a BA in kinesiology from Indiana University. Um, you served in the Marine Corps. Uh, so are, are you, are you tell me about that. Yeah, uh, real quick though, it's a BS, not a BA. Um, Excuse me, that's all right. <laughs> of course, it is a science. Sorry, it's a BS. <laughs> I appreciate yeah. that. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I um, was kind of a, a very underachieving, mediocre student in high school. Uh, not a very great GPA. I knew my friends were going into college and accumulating a lot of debt and dropping out with tens of thousands of dollars of debt and not really any better off. So um, my one of my best friends uh, asked me during lunch if I would go see the ring recruiter. I thought about it for you know 10, 15 seconds and he waited patiently and I was like, yeah, all right, let's go. And um, you know, that recruiter saw like I had a couple of uh, nuts and bolts still functioning upstairs and I was physically fit. So he was pretty excited to get me to join. And um, I went in, I, I went in, I left for boot camp September 10th, 2001, uh, kind of a pretty big stepping off date there. Cause the next day um, I was actually stuck in Seattle for a week because of the, the uh, towers going down. Um, but that kind of just snapped me into focus instead of thinking like, Oh yeah, you know, just going to leisurely cruise around the Mediterranean, meet a lot of fun people. Uh, it was like, we're, we're going to war. So, um, yeah, from that, I, uh, got, got attached to some 
uh, different units. We went over and invaded Iraq. Um, we got, got done with that. I went to Okinawa. I got out early on a school cut um, from Okinawa, went into Indiana University. And my, my thinking at that time, my motivation um, was that I wanted to win our, we have a famous mountain race here called Mount Marathon. It's like a, a 5K, so it's not a full marathon, but it's uh, very technical in that it goes up and down. And uh, yeah, I really, really love it. It's super fun. So I was just trying to meet the pre-optometry requirements. It's basically like pre-med requirements. Um, and then along the way, I found that major and I was like, oh yeah, well, this is pretty practical for myself. Not really thinking I was going to be a coach at the time. Um, and then, yeah, I, man, I love the, I love the coursework and I definitely applied it to my own training. Um, and I was still thinking I was going to be an optometrist. I, I graduated in 2011 and I went and worked for an optometrist in Anchorage for about a year. At the same time, I was volunteering, help, helping out uh, cross country basketball and track down here in Seward. So driving up and back from Anchorage. Um, and I got to the point where I was like, you know, optometry, like 90% of their business model is trying to get people in nice frames. And that's not, you know, that aesthetic, that kind of thing. That's not really what I'm about. I like a little more substance. Um, not that there's anything wrong with looking good, but that's just not where my, my passion lies. Um, so yeah, I ended up, um, kind of making that decision that, all right, well, what am I going to do from here? So I kind of pivoted thinking I was going to be a physical therapist, you know, just helping people move better seems pretty pure and, you know, healthy, like I would enjoy it. Um, so along those lines in 2019, yeah, 2019, I went down and, um, did a period of observation with a uh, really good physical therapist. That's kind of in the higher sports medicine field and like performance as well. It's a really nice combination. His name's Kyle Sella. He's out of Ketchum, Idaho. Um, really good mentor for me. Um, but yeah, so just from, yeah, eventually once we started like having uh, success with a lot of our kids, it was kind of like, well, you know what, like maybe I'll just stick with coaching. Um, I like that a lot more than, you know, helping just anybody. Um, you know, I, I was really, really like helping people find their, their peak fitness and seeing what they can truly do and just give them the tools to succeed. And then a lot of what I try to do, uh, it might come off as like lazy, but like just give them the tools and then get out of the way, you know, like they're going to do it. They want to work. Um, and I, I feel like sometimes young coaches especially can kind of overdo the, the instruction part and, um, just kind of lose their, uh, their impact. Well, I appreciate the background. Thank you for your service. Uh, I appreciate you sharing, sharing that. And, uh, it sounds like you have an analytical mind and you, you want to do things that fit and make sense. Uh, before we, we, we reached that jumping out point where we, the pandemic began, um, I, I just, I wanted, I wanted that backstory from you. The, uh, bring it back to that moment where, where it was where, where February and, and you see this thing going off. Um, and I, I mentioned that coaches were, were, were overwhelmed. Uh, how, what was your plan? You sat down, what was your plan heading forward? I understand that you, you, you had the light bulb moment of, wow, I have a young athlete. This gives me another year, potentially, um, another year of development. What was the plan, uh, February, March going forward? with the restrictions that, that everyone experienced. Right. So that was really a really tough um, kind of month and a half, two months there. 
um, we were in the middle of our club season and then all of a sudden, Hey, no pool access, no access to the kids. Can't even meet with them. Um, so, you know, we're, we're trying to meet with our board, uh, Megan and I, that's the other co-head coach of Seward Sammies. I've learned so much from her. She's amazing. Um, and we complement each other really well. Um, so yeah, the, we kind of hashed out a plan to have zoom meetings, um, before everybody got, you know, zoomed to death. Uh, that was a thing for sure that spring. Um, we, had some zoom meetings with the kids. I racked my brain and came up with some, uh, various like at home exercises they can do to keep the, the fitness going. It's no substitute for like in-person instruction, but it was at least something to keep that, that forward momentum going. And then, uh, with some of our higher level swimmers and athletes, I set up, um, kind of an online documentation system. And this is maybe the, the, the big kind of thing that I think really helped us. Um, we did this online documentation where we just looked at all the different like facets you, you could kind of, um, you know, kind of pin down and find out what works as far as like, you know, all the things that the athletes have to have to take care of, like their sleep. That's my number one recovery. Um, you know, with that preparation, of course, going into it, um, sleep, hydration, fuel, start tracking all that stuff see what works, see what your optimum levels of performance are based on those parameters and get that kind of uh, outside, you know, stuff just to have the foundation really solidly in place. And then along with that, you know, uh, the kids are writing their notes, um, their subjective feedback. And, you know, I'm sitting back with my wannabe scientist hat on and saying, all right, well, that, that looks good. Or maybe we can adjust this here and there. And then just sort of really gave us a nice tool um, a working document, if you will, to fine tune the process and get us kind of dialed in. I, I, I've talked to Lydia, I talked to her mom. Um, did you actually build, did you guys build something? My understanding is that, that at a certain point you had to build something for her to train with. What, what was that? Yeah. So, um, we built a squat rack. Uh, we, and I didn't really build any of it. I just, um, I reached out to a friend of mine that's a power lifter. And uh, he had the same thing going on. He couldn't train with the gym. So he built himself a thing. He posted that on his social media. And I reached out to the guy and I said, hey, you know, would you mind sharing your, your plans on that? Because he's, you know, lifting. Uh, I think that guy's squatting like six, 700 pounds. Um, so he's like, yeah, here you go. So I said, all right, guys, I think this will be safe enough for what Lydia's lifting. Um, I don't think she's going to be squatting six, 700 anytime soon. But um yeah, you know, here's a, here's a, here's a blueprint or whatever. And, um, if I can help you build it, I'll, I'll be there for you. But they, her and uh, rich kind of took that on and built it. And it's, it's a nice little squat rack. It, is it, is it safe to say that, uh, bringing it back to what you, you, the light bulb moment where you were like, Ooh, we could potentially have another year because of this pandemic, another year of development. I think that's something that, that, that we, we saw uh, eventually come to pass, which was a, uh, our Olympic team. We had a lot of breakthrough young athletes. Um, I see, the, and you'll see the coaches on deck at meets and they're, they're walking around and they're grinning because they've got, they've got talent that's coming on quickly. It's like life is, life is getting interesting. Um, let's get into the nuts and bolts of it. It's uh, when, when you could, when you could return and train, um, you know, how do you structure a season? 
can you walk me through a season? Give me, you know, uh, you know, how many yards you're doing at each stage. Do you do six week cycles, three week cycles, 24 day cycles? Sure. Yeah. So, uh, our periodization model, um, we, what we've done is sort of looked at like kind of six month blocks and then, you know, look at any kind of meets that, you know, may fit within the training parameters because within that, that macro cycle of six months, we're going to break it up into meso cycles and micro cycles about a week each, but the meso cycles, we're looking at like four to six weeks. Um, we like to do about a two week transition into a new like training stimulus. Um, and at this point we've gone through, you know, our, our different, um, parameters. Um, so it's not necessarily new. Um, but yeah, the early part, um, since Lydia is more of a sprinter, you know, she's, we haven't done a mu muscle biopsy, but I'm pretty sure she's more fast twitch than slow twitch. Uh, we, uh, we do the, the, the aerobic stuff, the endurance lifting, we do that more early in the season and we, we build up to maybe 4,000, you know, we'll hit that. We'll get up to that on week three or four, and then we'll bring it back down to what we're typically at is around 2,500 yards to 3,000 yards and uh, a lot of lactate stuff. Um, and then uh, VO2 max stuff. We do try to couple that in with the endurance stuff, especially maybe do two of those a week while we're building up the uh, aerobic base. Um, and then, you know, from there, we maybe keep one of those a week and then ramp up the lactate stuff. And then we try to maintain speed um, through the whole thing. Sometimes, am I understanding you correctly? You got, I know you're swimming in a yard. My understanding is at Seward, you have a six lane, 25 yard pool, correct? Um, mm -hmm. how many, how many sessions a week? Yeah. So we're doing, uh, right now we're doing four afternoon sessions a week, uh, three, three morning lifts, uh, two morning swims, the morning swim, all the swims are about 90 minutes. Six sessions in the water, three in the gym. And mm -hmm. you're topping out at 4,000 yards. Is that correct? In procession. Yeah. But, but, yeah. but that's but only in that early phase of the season, you know, that's early not, phase. So when you're getting into the meteor season, it's 2,500 yards a session and you're, uh, so you're getting after it you get, you get yeah. it. Yeah. You, there's the, this is a, so what's, what's the intensity level when you're, it's a, out of curiosity, if you're 2,500 yards a session, um, you know, how much of that is warm up? So, um, depending on the day, right. Like, so we do, uh, you know, and I'm continually evolving, um, learning, trying to get better, but, uh, we, what I've done recently in the last year or so is just done a, uh, kind of a all around warm up, a 250 or a 500 woo, we call it, have a little fun with it, but, uh, it goes, uh, stretch, just get in and start moving around, uh, stretch, skull, pull, streamline, kick on your back, and then a build up to just kind of get fired up and get it get into the, the heart of the practice. Then we'll open up, we kind of break it up into thirds after the warm up. Um, we'll open up with a, a set of drill, you know, a 500 drill, um, maybe two sets of drill if we're going to work two strokes or, or more, and then some uh, kind of race pace, faster stuff. And then so every now, maybe once a week, we'll go into more technique stuff. So we'll do um, maybe 835s off the block um, to get both the, get that really aggressive um, approach into that first turn and a really nice uh, breakout and just kind of getting into that. And then maybe we'll do a turn set where we just go, 
trying to get full speed by the flags and then we'll we'll time it from when their head crosses the, the flags into the wall and then coming out and then track that that uh that objective uh data as well um a lot of what what i try to do though is make it subjective um particularly because we're we don't have a long course pool um but rather than look at that as like this huge limiting factor you kind of look at it as like, well, maybe this is an advantage because we can like adjust on the fly in the moment in a race, you know, and we've seen that play out actually. Like you see her, I think over in uh, Berlin or Budapest, one of her, one of her races, you know, she can tell she was going to be like way long into the wall. So like three or four strokes from the wall, she took maybe a, a three quarters of a stroke and kind of pinned it down. And like, I, I feel really good about that. Like that. I, I mean, I would love to have the stroke, count and timing of a, a full 50 meter pool. But without that, you know, we're just going to do the best we can and really rely on that subjective um, kind of feel and feedback, you know. Six sessions a week, three in the gym. I'm, and, and shame on me for not bringing this in, but I want to have some perspective, just a lens on this. Your background, do you, do you have a background in swim? Uh, so, so this is, I mean, I'm not so embarrassed about it anymore, but I, when I was 11, I was on the swim club. Um, and I was, I was actually into breaststroke. That was the one that just came naturally to me. I loved it. Uh, but then my coach was like, all right, well, you got to learn fly. And without any kind of like, you know, I didn't have good technique and definitely didn't have any strength, um, mentally as well as physically. And I, tried it. I basically waterboarded myself for a few strokes and I said, all right, swimming. Thanks. That'll be all, you know? So, um, that was the end of my swim, like my personal swim experience. Um, as far as like competitive swimming, I did swim class in high school and I, I can swim, you know, but, uh, I'm not, I'm not competitive. Um, I was definitely way more into like, I mean, I played football, um, track and wrestling, but I was definitely way more into like the track thing. I seemed to maybe have a little bit of talent there. Um, and yeah, sorry, that kind of trailed off. No, no, no. It's, it's, you know, you shouldn't feel ashamed. You're in good company. The chief executive of FINA, the international governing body has about your level of experience in swim and he swam breaststroke. And, oh, wow. uh, and yeah, he's, uh, it, uh Brent Nowicki. Um, what, you know, the person that coached me and that my, I, you know, a lot of the assistant coaches when you're in your elite, elite level, that they're, they're there with you moment to moment, day to day, beat by beat. And, uh, Joe Hendy was, was one of those guys for me and he was not, he did not swim, but he was a student of the sport and he was just so connected to every single detail. Um, I think that there's a, I think that there's an advantage to, to coming, to coming at the sport with that mindset, knowing, Hey, I don't have this experience, this deep experience as a, as a, an athlete or competitor in the sport. It seems like the, the, you know, we've had a lot of experience with coaches that are successful, um, with your background. So interesting. Uh, I appreciate you sharing that. The, um, I'm, I'm just so you know, I'm, I'm a little bit older, but from my perspective in my day, we would just, we, it, we would do a hundred thousand yards a week. We, yeah. we trained, we did a lot of work. We trained a lot. We, we, and a majority of it was in second and third gear. Um, 
how would you describe if you're if you're you know you're you're 2,500 sessions and this this is through the meteor season uh, you know if you've done your four four thousand session and you've ramped up you know how, how much of this is race pace? So yes, yeah, so maybe 500 to a thousand, you know, depending on the day. Uh, Lydia, Lydia kind of touched on it. Um, you know, I recently um, through actually having Lydia on a national junior team, um, USA Swimming had this coaching continuing education grant for us. Um, Megan wasn't in a spot where she could take it on. Um, she was, she's been exploring her boating passions. Um, really, really happy for her for that. Um, so it was available and I knew of a course through NSCA national strength and conditioning association, um, that was coming up. Um, and I talked to Kelsey Floyd and she was like, yeah, that sounds cool. Like we will sign off on that. So we went ahead and did it. And, um, with that, one of the, one of the instructors in that, that, uh, that course, they introduced me to this flex flexible and fluid, um, periodization. So, you know, on any given day, like I, even just yesterday, I scrapped a bunch of like latter half of my workout, um, our workout. Um, it's going to be, a, you know, just if we had worked some breaststroke stuff, we don't do breaststroke every day. Um, I've had some coaches be like, do you only do breaststrokes? Well, no, I mean, maybe not as proficient in, in the other strokes, but we do all the strokes. Um, but uh, yeah, so last night, you know, just reading the, the temperature of the room, and that's, I think, a really valuable skill for a coach is to be able to like just read the kids, read the athletes, and yeah, maybe today is not the the day to die on that hill. You know, let's let's save it. You know, and uh, live to fight another day. I say that a lot because you know kids are really hard on themselves if they're not keeping pace or uh, they're just not they don't have that zip on a day to day basis. Um, and with that, rather than like fight and grind through that. I feel like it's better to just say, you know what, like, you're good. Like you're still, the water is going to be here tomorrow. You're going to swim again and we'll, we'll come back another day. And like, it's, it's going to be fine. You know, like you're not going to forget all of a sudden, you know? And yeah. So we try to keep it pretty, pretty flexible, fluid and um, kind of day to day with this big overall like bird's eye view of the whole program and keeping that consistent. So I was telling one of our, our new assistant coaches the other day, like kind of, the way I operate is I think about, you know, maybe the last three weeks of training where I want to go with the next three weeks of training here, how that fits up with our MISO, MISO cycle plan. And, um, just be, always be ready to pull the trigger and adjust like day to day, you know, that you, you, well, you stole my follow-up question, which is, you know, how this, and this is a huge conversation in, in sport. It's, it's a, it's a hot topic. It's how much, if you're backstroke, breaststroke, you know, how much of your practice is backstroke, breaststroke? If you're someone like Lydia, what? Yeah. So, um, you know, she said she didn't know 20 to 40%. I watched your guys' interview once or twice. Um, but yeah, I would say we're fairly even, you know, maybe we're a little heavy on breaststroke, but I mean, yeah, I, I, like, I don't know. I like to kind of split things up long axis some days and short axis other days and other days, like, all I am stuff. Um, so we're constantly hitting every, every stroke. Um, and then the fifth stroke, of course, underwater dolphins, that's a major point of emphasis for the last five, six years for me. Um, I honestly, I feel like it's pretty even, but you know, maybe it's not. It's if, um, 
oftentimes in practices, you know, you can, you, your coach was, will give you something. He's working a system and you're, and you're going to get after it. And it's your choice. Um, you know, you can some freestyle or backstroke or, uh, is it, do you, does Lydia swim breaststroke? If you're, if you're doing race pace, is it, is it, it's like, Hey, I, you know, you need to be swimming breaststroke or, or does, does that matter? You're like, no, you could, you could, you can swim the other strokes. It's, you're still going to benefit. Well, what's that dynamic? Yeah. So honestly, a big part of my approach, um, is trying to empower and educate these kids so they can make their own decisions. Um, I don't really like the, the coaching model where there's a codependency. Um, so like, you know, we get to these big meets, you know, I'm down there in Omaha on deck and all these big name coaches and big, big name swimmers. And it's really impressive and awesome. Um, and I'm seeing, you know, these, these coaches, like, you know, do the pacing, walk up and down the, the, the side of the pool with their athletes. And, um, just, it's just not the way I, I necessarily want to approach it. Like, I feel like you're at that big meet, like you're pretty good. Like I need to coach. I want to err on the side of less is more at that point, you know, like maybe get a time or two and see if you're on, you know, and like, otherwise I'm just there, you know, if you need me, I'm there, but we've done all our coaching in the years uh, before this, like, I'm not going to try and overstir the soup, so to speak, and get it into a froth. I'm going to let it settle and, you know, get it, get it to where the, uh, the athlete wants it. And if I see anything that I, I want to adjust, you know, then I'll say something, but I like to just sort of give them ownership of it. So then it's really theirs, you know, I love that. Um, I had a lot of friends who would do, did crazy stuff at, at, at big meets. They do 2000 yards of warm up, and they do all sorts of pace and they'd always be checking their times. I had a rule the last six years of my career where my coach did not, we never, there was no clock. So if you did anything where you're trying to rev the engine, you'd rev the engine to feel to, you know, to, to, to get the brain booted up, but uh, never, never look at the time because it would just trip you out. You know, either it's like, yeah, we're really on or you're really on, but did that feel right? It's uh, so we threw the clock away. And uh, so I, I appreciate, I appreciate your mentality in terms of like, yeah, let them, they, they, they've gotten this far. Let them, let them manage it. The um, that, that's a good question though. I mean, you're, you're, you're showing up on deck of trials. Was that your first trials? Yeah. Yeah. It was your first trial. So you walk into the, uh, the Omaha is kind of stupid. It's just like, it is a huge venue. This is it, and completely an outlier in swimming. Um, you know, uh, how, how did you, how did you handle that in terms of just your own stress levels with, uh, with what was on the line? Yeah. Well, uh, I, I like to be prepared. So I read the, uh, the meat kind of information, uh, several times and kind of got the venue layout and made sure that the family, the kid, everybody knew sort of what our, uh, kind of process was going to be our schedule our day to day. Um, and then we actually were, um, Mike Unger came and found us, um, you know, outgoing COO, he's now with FINA. Um, but he found us and he's like, Hey, you know, do you guys want to see the, like kind of walk through where the athletes will go and, I mean, yeah, I was like, yeah, like, of course. Um, so he kind of held our hands through that. And that made, for me, it made me a lot more comfortable because that was the last like little thing, like actually walking through the venue and knowing where to go when, because the last thing you want at that, that stage is some like, oh crap, I don't know where I'm at. And, uh, where am I going? Where should I be? So he, he walked us through that and, um, 
yeah, I mean, I felt great about it. I felt like the, the kid was going to be great. You know, she's, she's a gamer, you know, like uh, we've seen this like every step of the way. If the competition is at a higher level, she brings her best and it's, uh, it's pretty special. You know, it's, it's awesome. Mike was my team. Uh, he was my team manager back in the 1990s when I think his salary was like eighteen, nineteen thousand dollars a year. He's been there a long time, and uh, I do appreciate that he he found you guys and said, "Hey, let's let's swap yeah. the facility." That's cool. That's really cool. Um, changing gears a little bit, the uh, Lydia can she can crack that hundred. She's got it. She's got it. the lightning is there. Um, do you see her expanding to the two hundred meter brushstroke? Yeah, maybe. Or is she going to be an Adam Peaty type? Uh, you know, it's it's funny because um, you know her and Adam Peaty got to interact a little bit in Tokyo, um, just you know behind the blocks, whatever, waiting for their teammates. And I think something he said to her was that, uh, yeah, so if you break the world record in, in the hundred, they're not going to ask you to swim the two hundred anymore. So, <laughs> so, so I, I think you know if Lydia has her way about it, she's going to see if she can't do that and then maybe get out of some of those 200s. But at the same time, she also wants to be a versatile swimmer and we are constantly trying to improve all of her strokes. And, you know, maybe in college she can get points in the, the 100, 200 breast, but maybe even the 200 IM, you know, she's dropped uh, just, just under four seconds um, from her best time previously to this season. Uh, she had a 209.31. She won the 200 IM at our state meet. As a freshman, um, that was a really exciting race. But um, then, you know, this season, she uh, she dropped down to I think it was a 105.70. Um, so it's it's pretty exciting. We're still seeing progress in other other events too. So yeah, maybe maybe she'll swim those and try to get her college team some points in those as well. But I think you know ultimately she'll probably be more of a 100 breaststroker and um, probably do pretty good at that. You're a unique coach. I, you know, if I, I feel like if I asked 10 coaches in this, in a similar situation, they'd be like, Oh dude, we're definitely working on the 200. We're keep that's in our back pocket. We're just, we're just about to pull it out. But it's a, I, I love the the perspective of Adam Petey saying, yeah, you break the world record in the hundred, hundred breast. It's there. So here's the, here's the question with the hundred breast world record is a one Oh four 13 Lily King. I think that's correct. Let me do it. Let me do a double check yeah. here. It is one Oh four 13. So do you guys, do you guys have like the splits written down Are the splits written down on the wall? Are they in like, like six foot lettering on the side of the pool world no. record? No, no, not, we don't overemphasize that kind of stuff. Right. It's more about, uh, and you know, maybe it's cliche or cheesy, but we're more about the journey, the process and just every day get better. And the outcome, the goal, a lot of times it, it happens if you focus on like bringing your absolute best every day. So, um, we've, said, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe we can go for that, but it's not like we're hammering that, you know, we're not, a lot of what I try to do is like take stress away from the situation rather than pile it on, you know, like there's going to be enough internal and um, inherent stress in the situation. I don't, I don't need to throw a bunch more on, you know. Um, just, I, I keep coming back to, and I, and I, and I, I feel like I'm dating myself when I do this, but so I'm, I'm sort of my jaw slack when I look down and I'm like six sessions a week, three in the gym. Um, it's like, cause maybe I'm jealous. Cause that's uh it's, it sounds like a lot of fun. The, yeah. it, it, but, so you have nine sessions a week, uh, but you're in Alaska. So I, I just, do you have, just do, do you have disruptions from weather? Do you, are sessions missed? Uh, is weather a disruption? 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, it's more so in track. It's, it's brutal trying to have a track season in Alaska. It's really, really tough. Um, but, uh, yeah, we've had, so actually funny enough, um, it was November 28th, 2018. She qualifies. We actually had, and our club name is Tsunami. This is kind of cheesy, but we actually had an earthquake, like a five, six, five, seven. We're on the water. We had tsunami warnings. Um, and we had to cancel that day. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we do have those interruptions and you just gotta, you know, get the word out and, um, move forward when you can, you know, I've never been to Alaska. Uh, but it, everyone that's been there said it is it's something you've got to do. It's it's beautiful. And people, a lot of people go there and their soul dips into the soil. Yeah. Um, I imagine I'm curious. Did your phone start ringing after, after trials in the Olympics? Uh, I imagine you had a lot of job offers. It's uh, imagine you were in high demand. Is that, is that, is that fair to say? No, man. No, I don't think so at all. I, I have not had any kind of, anybody reach out and I think maybe I got to update the resume and that'll happen, but I'm also pretty content where I'm at. I'm not looking to climb the ladder or anything. I'm looking to help a lot of kids just understand their bodies and uh, age. Well, that's kind of the, I like to think of it as like a more comprehensive contemporary model. And that we're like the big thing I noticed when I got kind of forced or talked into coaching swimming was like, all right, these kids, these athletes, and this is no disservice to swimming. I love swimming. All right. Um, but you're exercising like astronauts, you know, it's non-load bearing and a little personal thing on my own journey. Right. Uh, I was in Bloomington and, um, around my grandmother a lot and she was an avid swimmer. Um, but she sort of just thought like that was going to be enough. Well, then, you know, 40 years of recreational swimming for, and then, um, between the ages of 60 and 70 humans have a degradation of their inner ear, the vestibular process. So instead of swaying against two fulcrum points, they start swaying forward and back. Then you have the falls. If you don't have that bone density built up, uh, you break a wrist, you fight real hard for six months, get your quality of life, your independence back. And then you fall down again, you break a hip and it's just sort of a, uh, I feel like it's a nasty downward spiral and, I'd really like the swim community as a whole to invest a lot more in a comprehensive model is what I think of it. Um, and advance the page on strength training, you know, and make that built right into the swim workout. Like, you know, we're, we're doing a, a nice heavy session in the morning with lifting. And then if it's super heavy a brand new, like new, new weights on there and it's, it's really taxing on the system. Well, we'll, we'll scale it back in that afternoon session and then maybe have a harder swim session in the, in the following day, you know? So, um, but my, my thinking is, especially with, with, uh, girls, women is that osteoporosis is a, a major thing. It's part of the female athlete triad and, um, just trying to get them ahead of that. So, you know, like, sure. We want to hit you know, Olympic gold medal. That's great. You know, but I'm more concerned about, all right, what's this person, this human going to be like when they're 60, 70, are they going to have that like bone density and that that uh, coordination and all that tied together. So they're a very well-rounded athlete and uh, they're going to age gracefully. That's, that's my genuine hope for all the kids I coach is that they know what to do, how to do it, when to do it. And then they're going to see that they're going to, they're going to age better than their peers that don't do the, the same work. I'm going to impact them for a lifetime, which is what all the greatest coaches want. 
Um, you know, when, when an athlete achieves something that's amazing, and I know athletes do it at, at different levels, uh, we have all kinds of we got friends who never made it to the big stage, to the Olympics or medaled, and they did extraordinary things. There's something unique when an athlete does what Lydia did. Um, you're, con- you're, you're, you're bound to them. You know, it's a, uh, I, on the day that I died, my, I'll be thinking about my coach. Uh, uh-huh. You have that connection. And, and, and a unique moment and a unique story with Lydia. Um, what was what was your feeling? What was your emotion? What, you know, it might have been at trials, but what was it at, at the you know or at the Olympics? What was what was going through your mind when you're like, oh my God, this is happening? Uh, well, honestly, it was kind of all the way back to let's see the summer of 2020. She spent about five weeks solid up in uh, Anchorage with uh, Northern Lights Swim Club. Really, really great club there. Uh, great coaches, great team environment. Um, and she's documenting all her workouts and I'm seeing that they're pushing her harder than uh, she's been pushed in the past. And her, her notes, she's saying that she's loving it. Um, and then from that, that was like kind of my cue to be like, all right, we're going to, we're going to start loading you up. We're going to start pushing it in the weight room too and see how that affects the whole thing. But it was more about having her drive that process and went only when she was ready and kind of showed that in her notes. Um, all right, we'll push it. And then when we started, I mean, us open San Antonio, um, she, you know, that's the opening meet of the season. I think, um, she comes out and swims the fourth fastest swim in the world at that point. And, you know, I'm kind of having conversations with the high school administration, like, Hey, like y'all need to be ready. Cause there's gotta at least be some kind of acknowledgement and like whatever. Um, but I'm, I'm telling you, like, I think it's happening, you know? So I was, I was seeing it unfold and I can, you know, that's kind of what I try to do is plot out the course for whatever, two, three months ahead, a year, whatever it may be. Um, and yeah, at that point I was like, Oh yeah, I think, I think it's going to happen, you know? And so from there, we just kept progressing her, um, at an appropriate rate, you know? And then, uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, honestly, yeah, you're looking for one specific moment, but just through those processes and like these specific like strength cycles, um, she improved her maxes across the different like lifts. And we started doing some more like advanced, um, type lifting. I'm not necessarily going to share that on this podcast because of safety concerns and qualified people to teach. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we got her some really nice advanced, um, kind of strength stuff. And we saw her, you know, that six second drop in the last two years. I think a lot of that, um, certainly not all of it. And it's kind of awkward to try to suss out what did everything, but I think those two things, uh, those two six week cycles we had, um, really, really helped. Um, and then we saw in, you know, Mission Viejo, that was, that was, an, that was where I think most of the, the United States swim community was like, oh, okay, maybe who's this, you know, because, you know, Annie was the presumptive number two. Um, but yeah, she, she beat her there. And um, that kind of, I think that helped her to just kind of lower that, that threshold of like, you know what, maybe, maybe. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Would you come back as, as, as we, as we move through the next year? Cause I, I it's, it, if there's a new discovery, you're, you're like, Hey, I, I'm seeing something. We're, we're trying some things. Um, I'm going to share it with Mel. Would you, would you come back on and share it with us? 
Yeah, yeah, I, uh, this wasn't as, uh, you know, I, I was pretty anxious about this, Mel. But uh, <laughs> you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be. We I just it, it's uh, it's a unique situation. It's uh, it, it, the success is undeniable, and uh, we we appreciate you you helping us uh, with our curiosity, and we'll we'll come back to it. But thanks for coming on. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, it was fun. You've been listening to the Swim Swam Podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam Podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below, and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.